it is way too early. All right. <sighs> Let's do this. Road trip! Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast that is on the road. Again, the Raw Safari Podcast. That's right, y'all. I am currently recording this intro as I'm sitting in a hotel room in, looks around, uh, checks maps, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The other town so nice they named it twice, or something. Anyway, I am here because I am on a cross-country journey. So a while ago, I found out that the National Tour of Million Dollar Quartet, which y'all know I'm a part of, is booked to do a multiple-week sit-down at the La Mirada Performing Arts Center outside of Los Angeles, California. I also found out that um, we were going to have a full three days off every week. Now, y'all, if you don't do theater, then you might not realize this, but like, you know how most people get two days off a week? Normally, when you're doing a sit down at a theater, you get one day off a week, normally Mondays. But in this case, we get off every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Southern California. So one thing was abundantly clear to me. I was going to be close to the L.A. Zoo, the Living Desert, San Diego Zoo, San Diego Zoo Safari Park, and a lot more cool stuff that I really like that is animal-related. So I was going to need a car. Turns out there's really only one way to get your car across the country, and that's to drive it. And that's when it hit me. I could do a cross-country road trip, stopping at zoos and aquariums every day, and bringing you all along with me. And so that's what we're going to do for today's episode. This is going to be my breakdown of my road trip across the country to California. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'm going to talk to you about the different facilities that I visited and uh, also share some other stuff. How to travel as safely as you can during a <clears throat> global pandemic. And yeah, I have some feelings about traveling during a pandemic, but uh, I'll, I'll drop that into the episode. Um, but I know that if you're rolling your eyes as you hear this, just just know that I get it and we'll be addressing it. Um, I also will be sharing some tips from a touring musician just about life on the road. There are a lot of little things that I've picked up that I plan on dropping in here, sprinkling them in, if you will. Of course, I'll be talking about the facilities that I visited, though don't worry, you'll be getting a lot more from a lot of those because a lot of places that I stopped at were willing to have me do interviews while I was there. So um, you know what's coming these next couple weeks and it's going to be awesome. It's kind of like a little preview to some of that as well. Oh, but don't worry, my voice isn't going to be the only one you hear on this either because I did get to do one kind of, oh, let's call it a interview, a mini interview, and uh, I'm going to slap that in here as well. It's someone you've heard on the podcast before and you're going to love it. That's all I'll say for now. 
and uh, I'll just be talking about some other random stuff. I don't know. We're going to have a good time. It's it's a road trip, you know? So uh, I, I hope y'all made some good mixtapes and grabbed some trail mix uh, and some, you know, some little Slim Jims or something for the road because uh, we're going to get to it here in just a minute. I mean, I'm going to play the little ad that I play and then then we're going to launch into the Rasafari Road Trip Cross Country something. I don't have a title for this, but that's why you guys love me. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, so it's time to get to it. Uh, this journey is going to be 2,540 miles. We're going through 10 states, going through four time zones, and stopping at nine zoological facilities. It's going to be a good time, so uh, enjoy the ride. Oh, and as far as the format is concerned, well, I'm just going to give you a little nightly recap once I got to my hotel room every night. That's that's how I've been doing this and how I plan to continue doing this since I'm technically recording this intro in the middle of all of this because I'm cuckoo banana pants. But anyway, so yeah, you're going to kind of hear my uh, nighttime rambling about my day as we get to each one of those. So uh, without further ado, enjoy. <laughs> All right, welcome to the end of day one of this insane road trip that I am on. I uh, I cannot believe what this journey has been already. So we started off super early this morning, and uh, and I left, and immediately hit an unexpected snowstorm because that's how you want to start a cross country trip, right? Right? Why not? So it was snowing pretty hard and uh, I glanced down at my car and the temperature outside was negative three degrees Fahrenheit. Negative three. That, that's not even like a real number. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. So, you know, windshield washer fluid is made in such a way that um, it won't freeze in freezing temperatures. I guess it does have a freezing point, but it's lower than water. Uh, however, the part that it squirts out of in my car got iced over from the storm. And so I wasn't able to get any windshield washer fluid as I was driving down the highway. Super exciting times. Fun little tip for those of you that are driving and have something like that happen. Um, a lot of times in those storms, the uh, trucks will have water blowing off of them. I guess they're so warm that the snow melts or something. I don't know. And uh, if you get behind them, don't get too close. Don't tailgate. But if you get behind them, you can get some water thrown on your windshield, which if you time it out right, works just like free windshield washer fluid. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I know this because I used this trick repeatedly over the first two hours of my drive. Um, and that was... <laughs> That was possibly the best start to a road trip ever. But, uh, you know, other than that, it was fine. And as I got moving, things started to warm up and uh, I moved away from the snow. And by the time I stopped for gas, I was able to wash my windshields and uh, then had my windshield washer fluid all worked out from that point on. So that was pretty exciting. You know, one of the first things that I wanted to address as I'm talking to you all every day is... um. I don't know if you know this, but we're in the midst of a global pandemic right now. And here I am driving across country. Um, you know, I, I said in the intro this was because I wanted to be able to have my car and go to a bunch of facilities. And I'm I'm not going to lie. That's true. Uh, but also, I don't know, man. Airports are kind of scary right now. I have flown during this pandemic. Um, and... I don't know. I don't feel great about it, especially with Omicron. And so, you know, one of the things that I have learned to do is to just stay away from people on the road as much as possible. Um, I highly recommend if you're going to travel during this time, finding out if the hotel that you're looking at, if that company has an app. I am traveling exclusively staying at Hilton Hotels. And this is not an ad for Hilton Hotels. Um, it, but I do it in part because there is a Hilton app that has digital keys at most of their hotels. And what that means is that I can use my iPhone to check in and then use the phone as a key to get into the room. Meaning I don't have to talk to anybody. As a matter of fact, I normally tend to park by one of the side doors so I don't even have to walk through the lobby where people can congregate and stuff. I walk in the side door and then head to my room. Uh, I normally pick a, a first or second floor room, if at all possible, to avoid the lobbies and elevators and all of that. And if that's not possible, then, you know, I will wait and I will be patient. And of course, I'm masked up, but... um. Yeah, it hasn't been too much of an issue. You know, between that and being able to pump your own gas and getting dinner delivered by Grubhub and just having them leave it, you know, outside and then going and get it or um, or even, even doing drive-thrus where you're still outside and masked and not actually interacting with people uh, too much, it's really easy to actually just be on the road alone. It can get a little lonely, but other than that, it's very doable. And so after a, we'll call it a quick three, three and a half hours in the car, uh, I got to visit the Akron Zoo. And uh, I do love the Akron Zoo. And I did record an interview there, so you'll get to hear more about that in an upcoming episode. Um, but it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, my friend and fan, Kristen, showed up and we wandered the zoo for a bit. And then I headed on in to talk to my guest for that episode, Kristen Scaglione. Now, you'll remember Kristen from the uh, Grizzly Bears episode at Akron quite a while ago. Um, and she's back and in a new position and we talk about all kinds of cool stuff. Kristen has a great heart and I'm really excited to, to share her with you further. Um, 
Wandering the Akron Zoo is always one of my favorite things to do, and I had a lot of fun. Obviously, um, you'll remember from the Wild Asia episode that they have some tigers there, and they were being gorgeous. And, uh, of course, they have the three red pandas there, um, uh, you know, Lulu, Coco, and Penny, and they were all out and being playful, and I got some really cute pics that I'm really excited to share with everybody. But perhaps the biggest news at Akron right now is that they have a baby gibbon. And um, I've already posted a picture. I'm sure you've seen it. But uh, I got to see the baby. And they're currently having a naming contest, as I'm saying this. So that's pretty cool. Um, It is an adorable, awkward little baby, just like most babies of most primate species including humans, including humans, let's be honest. Uh, But it was really cool to see the whole family interacting together. And then as I was getting ready to leave, I got to go meet a friend and fan who has only been in my world digitally, but it's a name that you're going to recognize if you listen to Zoo News because she sends me more Zoo News than almost anybody. Colleen Lenahan. Uh, She's working at the gift shop now at the Akron Zoo and, um... We got to have a really cool chat about what that is like. As a matter of fact, I I want to do an interview with her or or someone who works at a gift shop, but uh, preferably her, because there's actually so much that goes into it. I mean, if you go to a lot of zoos like I do, then you know that like there's a lot of the same merch, but also different merch and all of that. And, And the way they're able to figure that out and the way that they're able to customize certain things is pretty cool. For instance, Colleen was telling me that she has heard me lament many times about the fact that uh, most Red Panda merch is made for women and children, and I am not a woman, and I am only a child at heart, but it's oftentimes very hard to find men's Red Panda stuff, says the guy with a lot of men's Red Panda stuff, but I wish there was more. And uh, because she was aware of that, Colleen ordered up a couple of different shirts in men's cuts that have red pandas on them and has also started selling more red panda stuff in general, stickers and plushes and all kinds of stuff. And guess what? It's all selling really well, including to men. So I thought that was really cool. And and she actually showed me a shirt that she designed that is a men's baseball shirt that has a red panda on it and says Akron Zoo. And and she said that it was, you know, inspired by me talking about how I wish there was more stuff like that. So there's actually a piece of Zoo merch that was influenced by Rasafari. And and that makes me so happy. It was so cool meeting Colleen. She's so sweet. She's so nice. And, um, you know, Akron kills it as a zoo in general, but uh, their gift shop's always been pretty great, and uh, I, I like to see the direction it's going in. So um, little cool moments like that always make me so happy. And so after that, with all of my equipment packed up and the zoo closing, I decided to hit the road to my next stop, which was Cincinnati. Uh, basically, the way I handled this trip was I would hit the facilities every day and then drive to my next destination that night. This one was in some ways the hardest drive, though, because I literally drove through Columbus, Ohio, and it was too late to go to the Columbus Zoo, and not being able to go to the Columbus Zoo is the hardest thing ever. One of the cool things about going to Columbus so frequently, though, is that I know that they have a little chain of coffee shops there called Sweetwaters that I just love. So even though I didn't get to go to the zoo, I did stop and get myself some Sweetwaters, which is always a good feeling. And uh, as I was leaving Sweetwaters, the road I was on was called Little Turtle Way. 
yeah, I'm a nerd, but it made me happy. Uh, so then, yeah, my night ended with me getting to my hotel in Cincinnati and ordering Indian food. You're going to hear a lot of Indian food references probably because I eat a lot of Indian food. But that was the end of the first day of the road trip. All right. So uh, it is now officially day two of my trip. And uh, well, it's the end of day two of my trip. And uh, today I went to the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Gardens. And y'all, I got to tell you, we did an interview. I'm not going to say much about it other than that y'all should be really, really excited about this one. Something a little different um, and really cool. And we we went deep and um, yeah, that's all. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it super vague, but be excited. It's 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 really special. Um, it was actually interesting. When I first got to the Cincinnati Zoo, I had gotten uh, an anti-captivity person commenting on one of my posts on Instagram. And, you know, I consider it important as a um, conservation educator, as a person with literally this podcast, to, like, address those things. And I at least try to engage. And then if they show that they are not interested in having an actual discourse, then I'll, you know, block or whatever I need to do. Gotta gotta keep the mental health going. But, um, man, I just found myself feeling so frustrated by it right away. And um, I just kind of wrote this little comment, like a blow-off type thing, and it was fine, whatever. Um, but I, I realized that I, I sometimes feel super impatient with this right now because, the anti-captivity stuff is just like all the other anti-science stuff that's out there right now. There is so much evidence that the animals in good zoos are living amazing lives and that the, the work being done for those animals is not only amazing for them, but has a legit impact on the conservation of their brethren in the wild. They are true ambassadors. And at this point, to not acknowledge that it just comes across as willful ignorance to me. And given everything going on with vaccines and all that other stuff right now, willful ignorance is just not something that I have a lot of space for. But luckily, I, I realized that uh, through this, and, and I think that that will help me stay calm in the future when these things happen, because they will happen, because anti-captivity is a thing. But uh, man, I'm just really bummed out by all the anti-science stuff happening right now. That said, I had the most amazing, wonderful day at the Cincinnati Zoo. Um, I got to visit Zookeeper Colleen, who, if you haven't heard our episodes yet, like, what are you even doing here? But go back and listen to those episodes and make sure you're following along on Instagram at Zookeeper Colleen. And uh, oh, it was so great to spend time with my friend and um, see see some of those animals that we all love so much, like Lucille the Binturong, who has my heart, and uh, Rico the Porcupine, and... Um, of course, you may have heard of a, a little hippo that, that lives at the uh, Cincinnati Zoo named Fiona. And we've talked a little bit about the fact that Fiona's amazing and there's a Fiona episode and you know all this. And now if you listen to Zoo News, you know that she's got a new, um, let's say a bonus dad, Tucker, who's living there. I got to tell y'all, the entire time that I spent with Fiona, she was just hanging out, playing with Tucker, biting his butt until he would snap at her and, and react in a, yeah, it seemed playful, seemed safe, everything was cool, but uh, in, a, in a pretty um, amusing to watch way. He was definitely a little frustrated, it seemed, um, but then any time that he went to correct the behavior, Fiona's mom, Bibi, came over and uh, just very 
calmly kept an eye on the situation and and Tucker was very quickly put in his place. It was amazing watching this family dynamic and um, who knew Fiona could get even cuter, but, uh, but she has in fact done that. It happened to be a really beautiful day at Cincinnati, which was pretty awesome. It was around 44 degrees and sunny. Um, And actually, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but for Christmas, my parents got me a new camera. And it has a better zoom and seems to be a little better at focusing and stuff than my last one. And y'all... I got some shots on this trip. Uh, A lot of things that you're going to be seeing, actually, heck, a lot of things that you've already seen by the time this episode comes out on my Instagram and Facebook, uh, they're coming from this new camera, and it's just so cool. I am so excited to share some of these beautiful images, which y'all. And, you know, one of the funny things that I wanted to say about my trips to the Cincinnati Zoo is that, you know, Cincy is like a big zoo. It really is. But sometimes it feels so small to me because basically what I do is I get there and I walk over to the two red panda exhibits and then there's a little path to go to the ambassador building, which is where Colleen the human and Lucille the binturong live. Okay, Colleen doesn't actually live there, but she works there and basically the same thing when you're on the clock, right? Um, And then I just kind of wander back and forth between those two areas, sometimes for hours. I got there shortly after the zoo opened and it wasn't until about two o'clock that I left those areas because I did the aforementioned interview. I spent time with Colleen. I got as many cute pics of the red pandas as I could, and then I was watching them eat and play and exist because they're so good at that, and it's so wonderful. Uh, and and then, um, well, then I got to do something special. I got to go meet Mimi, the new cub at the zoo. And um, y'all remember Paul Reinhardt, right, from his episode? Paul has become a very good friend, and, uh, you know, we decided that we'd have a little chat. So uh, without further ado, even though this was just going to be a solo episode, let's hear from our good buddy Paul Reinhardt, Red Panda Keeper at the Cincinnati Zoo. And um, during this little chat, uh, yeah, I'm hanging out with three pandas and then two more pandas. If you're not great at math, that's, that's five red pandas, y'all, and they are all amazing. All right. So, Paul, welcome. Welcome back. Good to have you here. Oh, my gosh. Who are we hanging out with right now? Uh, this is uh, youngster Shen Mi, born, I know this, July 16th, so she's a little late, of 21, born to Lin and Kenji. So that is, uh, for people who are listening to, to Paul's episode, there was a Lucas here back then, and that is the same parents, so this is Lucas's sister, although Lucas is now in San Diego. Correct. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You are the cutest panda. That's okay. Oh, drop some stuff. So, um... Go ahead. So, um, how how is Mimi? How Tell me about her. Tell me about this this perfect little thing. Mimi is, um... So I missed a part of her growing up when she was very young, but how do I describe Mimi? She is she is energetic, she's outgoing, but in contrast, she gets spooked pretty easily by noises and see even wind or bringing in an armful of bamboo. Uh, she'll take off and go hide somewhere. 
but uh, along with that, she is incredibly uh, energetic. Like I said, she likes to explore things. She followed Kenji up the tree one day, and I mean to the very tip top oh, of wow. that tree, and everybody was like calling, afraid she was going to fall out of the tree, but she did just fine. What a good girl. Uh, I'd, I'd like to focus on, too, that Kenji was much more accepting of Mimi than he was ever with Lucas. I was going to ask you about that because when I was here earlier um, outside the exhibit, um, she was playing with Kenji, and Good. he was okay with it, and That's I was good. shocked. My first thought was like, oh, little girl, you're taking your life into your own <laughs> I think Kenji's getting used to it more, too. Right. Uh, I think these cubs are learning that he's mostly mostly bark uh, and not as much uh, not as much bite right because uh, she she stands right up toe to toe with him she climbs right up and eats out of his his bowl when we, <laughs> when we feed him together and so uh, she's got a little bit of bump to her that's amazing so um she has a, a, a tail, a, a special thing going on with the tail here. I'm going to call it a bottle brush. Okay. Uh, so tell me about uh, how that happened. I believe, well, I don't believe, we're sure that it was Lynn over-grooming her. Lynn, For did you For whatever reason, uh, we don't know other than she just wanted that extra, give Mimi that extra attention, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's grown back. It looks really good. Most people... Lay people wouldn't even notice, and uh, for sure, guests don't even notice it anymore. It was pretty severely docked. There was no hair on it. The tail wasn't docked before anybody gets upset. The no, of course. The tail was not docked. It was just had no hair where the tail meets the bottom. Right, because Lynn had groomed it, but then also they had to shave away the little bit that was still there just to make sure... That Lynn hadn't like caused any, right. uh, you know, no issues. Right. No, no permanent damage. Right. And now, yeah, there's nice little floof again. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. kind she of, yeah, I love it. Um, we don't have any idea if she'll be going anywhere anytime soon, but, uh, uh, but I'm sure she'll go somewhere. You see, there she's learning to mark her little territory. She's so proud of that when she. <laughs> When she stops and does that, um, pretty yeah. funny. For the longest time, I didn't know that red panda females could mark. Because a lot of species, it's just males. Yeah. And uh, I used to always think that it was the, um, that's how I could tell if it was a male or a female. And then yeah. I saw a female mark, and I was confused. Lynn marked my shoe about a year <laughs> or two ago, and it was the best day ever. <laughs> Absolutely ever. I love that. Somebody said... Uh, she owns you now. And I said, uh, she's owned me from the day she was born. <laughs> she is so, she's my bud, my Lenny. That is so real. So you recently had to take a little bit of time off, right? Yes. yes. How, how was that for you? It was great, actually. Okay. Other than uh, being in a lot of pain with my back and uh, going back years, 40 years of zookeeping takes a toll on your back, let me, <laughs> let me tell you. I would imagine exactly. so, yes. So, uh, so yes, they did a little little operation on my back. Oh, gosh, so close. Uh, 
and yeah, it's it's all fixed up. I still have some arthritis in my back, but um, I feel really good. That's awesome. I'm really, really glad to hear that. And they are back in. Yep. Well done. Um, we talked about the other two over here. Yeah, already, yeah. Let's but, catch up uh, on Audra and Lenore. Uh, not not a whole lot to tell other than Audra's gorgeous as usual. Mm -hmm. Hi, Audra. Uh, such great color and she's just so unbelievably gorgeous. So gorgeous. What were you telling me about the thermal imaging stuff? Well, we did some work here with our research department, Dr. Aaron Curry and some of the people at Crew. So they were doing some thermal imaging. You take a picture with a camera. It's pretty cool because they did that and they were tracking heart rate and all this crazy stuff and ultrasound uh, all at the same time. And we did this out on display and Lynn was out there and absolutely rocked the whole thing uh, because she's so good about us and so good at at helping us uh, unravel some red pen mysteries. Um, she was so good. Uh, they're, they're trying to correlate some different things, and I'm not the one to explain it. But like I said, if you come back uh, early spring and through the late spring, we'll be doing ultrasound, and maybe we can get Aaron to talk a little bit more about it and what she's doing. Yeah, that would be amazing. It you you know it's do, not hard to convince me to come back. It, it has <laughs> to do with uh, pregnancy and uh, uh, body temperature and how that temperature changes when uh, a female is about to give birth. Interesting. So I don't want to give too much away because it's not my project and I'm sure there's other things that Dr. Aaron would like to um, get across or maybe document. I don't know. So I guess I need to be careful. No, right. But that's, that's a nice little overview. I think that's cool. Uh, also, I should note there that uh, Dr. Aaron Curry is also the one who we named Dr. Aaron Curry, the panda. Right. Who went to, I can't even remember now. I think she's in uh, Nash, Nashville. Okay. It's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John. Mm. So, Dr. Aaron Curry, the panda, is actually at the Milwaukee County Zoo. And it is her daughter, Dr. Lily Parkinson, who lives at the Nashville Zoo. Which you know if you've listened to the episodes from the Nashville Zoo where I got to meet her. Yay! Anyway, back to the interview. But the perfect name for her was Dr. Aaron Curry, the panda, because she did so much work with uh, these guys and ultrasound, and we wanted to honor Aaron Curry from Crew, so we named her. A, it's a brief, brief story. We wanted to name her Aaron, and they said, no, there's too many pandas named Aaron. So, okay, we'll name her Curry. And they said, oh, no, there's too many pandas <laughs> named Curry. So we said, okay, we're naming her Dr. Aaron Curry, and there's not another panda out there that way. <laughs> so they relented, and 
There she is. And she's a good mother too. That's awesome. Wherever she is now. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah. I need to I need to keep buddying up to y'all so that someday there's Rasafari the red panda. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even do John. <laughs> I love it. J-O-N. Um, I'll have to work on that. People get a little annoyed with me trying to name pandas after people. But I like it. I think it's neat. And people like it. And they remember them. And, and uh, people that help us, uh, I like to honor them with... Uh, with naming a panda after that's really cool yeah. i mean that's that's life goals right there yeah, like right seriously there. Yeah. that's the dream yeah. no not many people know it but these two are named after my mother and libby's mother okay eleanor and audrey but i tweaked them a little bit audra and lenore interesting um, Lenore is both my grandmother's and mother's middle name, so nice. I've always there felt a nice little connection there, especially because it's not a real common name, you know? It's not. I lo- that's the kind I like, too. So. Yeah, and now they're just playing and being adorable. Yeah, yep. they're, ready to, they're ready to eat is what they are. Yeah, They're going to be that. ready to breed here soon, too. It was anything like last year. Um, but they don't have a male, but uh, they cohabitate well. They're really good display animals. So spring and, 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 and summer, there'll be these two out there uh, getting people's attention. They do do that. They do that very well. I've actually seen them in the tree eating. Yeah. Um, and people get so excited when they see them that they run past the first exhibit, missing three red pandas, yeah. including a cub, because of how pretty Audra and yeah, for sure. Yeah, weighed them today. They rocked out the weighing today, and uh, everybody's good. I can't. Nice. They're being very vocal. Yeah. Is that just asking for food? Uh, you know, they play a little bit, and they tend to squeak at each other and okay. squeal when they when they play or when they kind of attack each other. They'll squeal like that. Um, it's a very different sound when they're wanting to breed. It's kind of a twitter. A Twitter squeak, uh, which is pretty neat too. Awesome, but very cool. I think now they're just kind of playing and and uh, squeaking at one another. <laughs> they are definitely playing. Be nice if you got that on your uh, on uh, the volume there. Yeah, I'm hoping it's picking it up. I'm going to put it a little closer just in yeah. case they do it again. There we go. You can edit that down. That'd be cool. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Awesome, cool. Well, I know you have a ton of work to do. But do. Thanks for taking a little bit of time, and and maybe this spring we can set something up a little more formally and uh, and and revisit stuff. I feel like I'm always in a hurry. Back like the old days <laughs> when I had to run all day long, and uh, today got to be one of those days. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this so much, Paul. Thank you. My pleasure. I mean, come on, Paul Reinhardt is one of the coolest, sweetest humans alive. I love and respect him so much, and I'm so glad that y'all got to hear some of that behind-the-scenes stuff, and especially the adorable noises coming from Audra and Lenore. Uh, If you were listening in a car and you had a harder time making them out, throw on some headphones and go back to that, and you will love it. So... 
after my day at the zoo, um, well, I did do the rest of the zoo and it was awesome, but you know, it's a Cincinnati zoo and it's always awesome. And I feel like y'all probably know that. But after that, I, uh, got to go to dinner with Colleen Adams. Yay. We went and got Mediterranean food at Bilotti, which had not only amazing food, but an incredible garlic sauce. And, um, We could have just sat and talked all night. It was so cool, and I'm so grateful for the fact that I get to make really, really cool friends from doing this podcast. And then, after that, I headed to St. Louis. All right, y'all, that was another incredible day. So I just finished up two visits. I went to the St. Louis Zoo this morning and the St. Louis Aquarium in the afternoon. And it was um, not one, but two amazing visits. So I need to tell you that we did not get an interview at the St. Louis Zoo because the timing just didn't work out. But I am talking to them about doing a Zoom interview to talk about all the amazing stuff that I saw at the zoo. So um, hopefully that will happen. I don't know. I don't like to broadcast things until I know they're going to happen. But also I'm trying to share my trip with you. And that was a big part of it. I'm excited. Uh, So my day started at Comet Coffee, which had the most amazing gingerbread latte. I usually don't drink that kind of thing, but it was amazing. And then I headed to the zoo and um, they have an incredible insect house at the St. Louis Zoo. Uh, It's a free zoo, by the way, which is really rare nowadays and really cool. Um, Yeah. And uh, went to this, this penguin house. Now, The penguin house at the St. Louis Zoo, you get closer to penguins than like almost anywhere. I thought one was going to either poop on my head or jump on it, but it didn't. It just came up very close and was like checking me out and it was really cool. Quick hint for those visiting penguins in COVID times. You have to wear a mask when you go indoors at any of these zoo places. And wow, y'all... Your mask will smell like penguins for the entire rest of the day. If you are going to a zoo with an indoor penguin exhibit that you're going to visit, take an extra mask. Oh, it was, I I had an extra mask. I knew this was coming, but, um, oh, just, just in the couple seconds it took me to get it off. And then later on, I put that one on again by accident because I couldn't throw it out right away. Oh gosh. Oh, it is, it is the worst smell, but like the penguins are worth it. I'm just letting you know that it also is a, um, a good COVID era tip. If you're going to an indoor penguin exhibit, Make sure you have a backup mask that is somewhere where it won't smell like penguin because you got to breathe through that, y'all. I also have to share about two of the coolest things at the St. Louis Zoo, in my opinion, one of which is their big cat country area. It's this amazing area where they have the ground kind of sloping up in a bunch of different ways so that you are able to see into one, two, three, four, five, maybe six cat exhibits, big cat exhibits, five or six of them from one spot. Not literally like you can stand in one spot and see all six because, I mean, how would that happen with crowds? But there's this little area that you can walk around and it's it's small, you know, probably hold 20 or 30 people. And depending on where you're at, you can look into multiple exhibits at once. There was a point on this visit that I was able to see an ammer leopard, a snow leopard, and a serval 
all at once without moving. That is amazing. I remember the first time I went to the St. Louis Zoo. It was one of the first zoos I ever visited while touring. And um, just standing in that area like blew my mind. Uh, it's such a great zoo. Um, they also have signs posted everywhere telling you not to harass animals and giving their security number so that if you see anyone being mean to or harassing animals, you can call and security will come running. And I just think that is so cool. I wish more zoos had a, a hotline like that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about being amazing at the St. Louis Zoo is their herpetarium. It is gorgeous. The St. Louis Zoo is where I first discovered black-breasted leaf turtles, which are a red turtle species with huge eyes that I am obsessed with. I have posted multiple pictures of them over the years on the Ross Safari Instagram. And uh, the St. Louis Zoo was the first place I ever saw them, and I just remember. So like I said, it was one of the first zoos that I ever went to while touring. And it was snowy, and it was just the, the worst day to go to a zoo. And I didn't have my own vehicle and I hadn't really learned the trick of renting cars yet. So I took public transportation, which does not get that close to the zoo. And then I walked through this huge snowy field and I was not wearing boots and my feet were soaked. And it was that thing where you get to the zoo and you're like, oh my gosh, this was such a long walk and it was so tiring. And then you're like, oh wait, I, I still have to stand outside in the cold and walk all around because it's a zoo. Duh. But when I got to the herpetarium and I saw the black-breasted leaf turtle, it made everything worth it. It was the best thing ever. I love them so much. If you don't know what they are, go digging through my feed or, you know, be smart and Google black-breasted leaf turtle and you will see them and you will also fall in love. The herpetarium also has this cool middle section where it's kind of picture like a big stone pond in the middle but then it's divided up into small little exhibits in the pond but you just look down and you see all these rare cool turtle species and stuff it's it's really unique it's it's one of a kind and um oh i just love it there so much i i hope this is helping you picture it at least a little bit because it's just really cool and of course pistol pete is the red panda who lives at the St. Louis Zoo. And I, I not only love his cute face and adorableness, but I love his name. And um, I found out that Pistol Pete is the brother of Leela, one of the pandas who uh, lived at the Philadelphia Zoo until recently when she passed away. Um, and Pistol Pete's her brother, and I didn't know that. And I found that out by going to redpandafinder.com. And we haven't really talked about that site much on the podcast, but if you are a red panda fanatic, go to redpandafinder.com com, and you will see a whole database of red pandas all around the world. And um, you'll see a lot of photos you might recognize from your buddy John at Ross Safari. It's, it's a really cool site. And uh, Justin, the, the person who runs it, is just an amazing advocate for red pandas. And um, we're buds. We got to hang out at the Columbus Zoo. And uh, I'm actually going to try to visit him again while I'm out here in California. So hopefully you'll hear more about that soon. So then after the St. Louis Zoo, I headed to the fairly new, about two, maybe three years old, St. Louis Aquarium. And I got to do an interview there and have a cool tour where I got to do all kinds of neat stuff. Um, 
man, they treated me well. It was awesome. Uh, it seemed like everyone there was like, oh, you're the podcast guy. So that was, that was fun. And I got to, to see, a, see an opossum do some training. And you can see that on my Instagram. It's one of my reels. And I got to feed some, some turtles and pet some starfish and all that cool kind of stuff. It was, it was just amazing. So um, yeah, but don't worry. You'll hear a lot more about the St. Louis Aquarium on their episode. But I did want to tell you that as a new facility, they have implemented the use of technology in a way that I have never seen in a zoological facility before. And it is amazing. They are absolutely providing the template for what new facilities and upgraded signs and all that stuff should look like. I cannot wait to share that episode with you. And uh, after, after that, I got some, you'll be shocked, Indian food and then headed off to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Whew. All right, y'all. Well, today was day four of this road trip, and I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was another double facility day where I did the Tulsa Zoo and then headed down to Jenks, Oklahoma, about a half hour out of Tulsa, to go to the Oklahoma Aquarium. And, um, Yep, it was another great day. So Tulsa is another one of those facilities where the timing wasn't going to work out for an interview, but I have a Zoom interview scheduled, so you're going to be getting an episode from the Tulsa Zoo, and I am, yet again, incredibly excited to share it with y'all. I know, you're shocked. Uh, so when I got to the Tulsa Zoo, there was something that I did, and it made me think, maybe this is worth sharing on the podcast. Y'all... One of my favorite things to do when I go to a zoo is to immediately go to the gift shop. Now, I know that seems a little backwards. They set them up at the exit for a reason. And do you even know what you want to buy? I mean, if you decide that you're going to get like a magnet from a zoo, don't you want to see what animal you connect with before you go and buy it? And do you want to walk around with merch all day and stuff? And uh, no, 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 I don't, I don't buy things on my initial visit to the gift shop. Um, but I think it's interesting because I think zoos tip their hands a little bit as far as like what they think their best animals are. Some zoos like Cincinnati, you know, you can go in there and find all kind of Fiona merch and all kind of Rico the Porcupine merch. And if you didn't know anything about that zoo, you were just wandering in for the first time, you would know that there is a famous hippo there and a famous porcupine there. And sometimes they have other stuff. And like, it, it helps guide what you want to look for as you go throughout your day there. Um, and you know, sometimes that's not the case. I have gone into zoo gift shops and found like 20 pieces of red panda merch only to find out that they don't have and never have had red pandas. That kind of thing's a little weird to me. See a lot of panda bears at places that don't have, you know, panda bears, but yeah, whatever. In general though, I think it's actually a really interesting way to let the zoo tell you what the zoo thinks is important to its guests. And then that can help inform your trip there. So a uh, little tip from your buddy, John. Now y'all know that I have my big four, which are red pandas, sea turtles, bintrongs, and tree kangaroos. And uh, I thought there was something interesting at the Tulsa Zoo, which is that they have a red panda and bintrong exhibit. Now they're not living together. <laughs> 
I would love to see them together. I don't know how that would go, but like just visually, it would. My heart would be really happy, right? But um, what they do is red pandas do well in the cold weather, and binturongs do well in warm weather, and so they rotate. And half the year, the red pandas are on exhibit, and binturongs are off, and then the other half it's reversed. And I thought that was pretty cool. They they like you know both species like to climb and and are adorable and um it's really interesting to see that and they leave the signage for both species up the whole time and explain what they're doing and it is just something kind of different that i've never seen anywhere else and it's two of my favorite species so like i'm here for it uh the tulsa zoo also has a bunch of buildings called the life in the dot 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 um and it's you know life in the jungle life in the forest life in the arctic i don't remember all of them life in the desert i think but they're all really cool buildings with internal and external animal viewing and um it's just neat to see things grouped together like that i don't know it's just a very cool thing and then also they have an amazing jaguar exhibit where you can get up really close to the glass, obviously. Um, actually, a jaguar photo from Tulsa is one of the initial batch of photos that I got that made me think, hey, maybe I should start an Instagram and people would like to see these pictures. So it was really cool to go back to that moment. You're going to hear more about another one of those uh, photos in just a minute here. While I was hanging out uh, at the zoo, I got to see the the baby tiger there playing with mama. Um, there's already some video and pictures of that up on my Instagram. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you should. It's adorable. But I also got to talk to some members of the horticulture team. And um, it was really cool to just discuss Rasafari with them and the podcast. And uh, they, they saw my hoodie and instigated a conversation because don't forget, we have merch now. And uh, it was... It was just awesome to meet some cool zoo people. Um, I, I didn't record that because, you know, I didn't have permission to be recording at the time. But uh, zoo people are the best people. And uh, horticulture team, if you're listening, hi. It was so nice meeting y'all. I love the work you're doing at the zoo. And then after the zoo, I headed to the Oklahoma Aquarium. Now, I have to tell you all, of all the photos I have taken of animals one of my absolute favorites. And when I say favorites, I don't mean the John Rossi has 500 favorites of everything type favorites. I mean one of my true absolute all-time favorite photos is a photo of a sea turtle that I took at the Oklahoma Aquarium the same day, actually, that I got the, um, the jaguar pick that I was talking about. And uh, it's still the background of my phone to this day. I have never changed it, you know, for many years now. I forget when it was, but many years. Uh, I, I've changed my lock screen a ton, but, but that sea turtle just stays there. And y'all, I got to meet him and his brother. It was so cool. How did I get to do that, you ask? Well, I got to do an interview at the Oklahoma Aquarium with Dr. Ann Money, who, uh, well, let's just say that interview was money. And I cannot wait to share it with you and make more money jokes like that. But seriously, we had an amazing time. The interview was fantastic. And then we spent like, oh, I don't know, two hours wandering the aquarium and going behind the scenes and uh, learning about certain sharks that live there and only there in the Western Hemisphere and going up to the top of their tank and hanging out with sea turtles. And 
it was awesome. I, I just had an amazing time. Uh, and I can't wait to share it with you. I know I keep saying that, but I really can't. I wish I could release all of these episodes this week, but then I would be screwed as far as like having more stuff down the road to share with y'all. Um, when I left the aquarium, uh, Dr. Money recommended a good place to go get Indian food. I know, I know, I know. And um, I also got an oil change, which is necessary when you're driving across the whole country. Um, I have to say, the people of Tulsa, both at the zoo and aquarium and not, like just out in the world, the people who did my oil change, the people who brought me food, all of it, um, were the nicest humans. I had so many amazing interactions with people there. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And, um, the nice thing about this is that my next stop where I am right now, as I record this is Oklahoma city, only an hour and a half away. So this is one of the few days where I'm not driving five, six, seven, eight hours. And, uh, I am enjoying taking the break this evening. And how am I relaxing? You ask by working on multiple things for the podcast. Yup. Holy cow, y'all. Today, day five of this road trip was exhausting. I had a wonderful day, but I am dead on my feet and I'm not even on my feet, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So today was Oklahoma City and the Oklahoma City Zoo, uh, another new facility for me. And that was exciting. Um, I woke up to 55 mile an hour winds with a wind chill below 10 degrees. Now, look, I get it. 10 degrees isn't even that bad, okay? I literally started this trip in Buffalo and it was negative three, right? But single digits with 55 miles an hour, it's like daggers. I have never, ever felt such pain from the weather before, like the temperature. It was nuts. Y'all, I got a hot coffee. That is the first time since I discovered that iced coffee exists that I willfully bought hot coffee. There have been times that I was uh, denied iced coffee by people who didn't want me to freeze to death, particularly one time on tour in Montana, but that's a story for another time. But I actually bought hot coffee. Anyone who knows me knows that is like insane. But the zoo itself, despite being almost empty, was amazing. First of all, there's a reel on my Instagram of a squirrel that was chasing me, and that was amazing. It was hilarious. Uh, they also, they have Tanuki at the Oklahoma City Zoo. I have not seen Tanuki since uh, Thor and Loki passed away at Zoo Atlanta, and I think Oklahoma City might be the only AZA Zoo in the States that has Tanuki at this point. If you don't know what Tanuki are, uh, you're missing out. They're also known as Japanese raccoon dogs, and they're freaking adorable. I uh, highly recommend you check them out. And in this case, they have two Tanuki exhibits, one of which has a white Tanuki, which I had never seen before, and is a mixed species exhibit with langurs. I had just never seen anything like that. It was so amazing. It made me so happy. Um, the park was, you know, pretty dead because you'd have to be pretty crazy to be there with that weather. Hi, that's me. Um, and so I got to hang out with Tonka and Toho a little bit. Who are Tonka and Toho? Well, 
They are mountain lions who were found abandoned by their mother in South Dakota. And so they had to be hand reared. And South Dakota has a rule that if a mountain lion is ever taken out of the wild, even if it's raised in such a way where it would be deemed releasable, it cannot be released. As such, Tonka and Toho were raised in captivity around humans and uh, given a forever home at the Oklahoma City Zoo. And it really does have to be a forever home because they're not allowed to be transported again as part of that same law that meant they couldn't be released. What that means is that while definitely being mountain lions, they also really love people and they were super playful. Now, I need to point out again, I was not in the exhibit with mountain lions, but I was right outside the exhibit and I was running around and I was waving my hand and they were following it and being very playful and it was absolutely adorable. Um, And, you know, not to keep plugging the old Insta, but I've already posted some pictures of them uh, that are, well... Here it is again. Adorable. After that, I got to go and hang out with the pandas at the Oklahoma City Zoo. So there are two pandas there, one of whom is Kiana, who was born with a hip issue and had to have one of her legs amputated because of it. But despite being a little tripod, get it? Paw like paws. She's amazing. She climbs. She is all the things a panda should be. And she's also really gorgeous and shy, which, you know, that's okay. I understand. But it was amazing to see her up close and to know that she is not only thriving, but considered genetically important and so now has a breeding recommendation. And her new boyfriend is a panda named Benjamin. Y'all, I have known Benjamin forever. Ben was born at the Philadelphia Zoo when I first started going to the zoo, and so I saw him from a super early age. Then he went off and tried to breed at some other places, and then ended up at the Cape May County Zoo for a while. Now, y'all know that I'm friends with Amy at Cape May County Zoo, and I go and hang out with Luna, the oldest panda in the country sometimes, which also means that while Benjamin was was there, I would go hang out with Benjamin. So we got to be buds. And then I found out that he moved to the Oklahoma City Zoo and I got to visit him there and feed him some more grapes and apples and just continue, you know, to have that relationship with him. It was so amazing to see Ben at his third facility. And um, honestly, when he first saw me, It was hilarious. Um, You know, I don't want to anthropomorphize, but I will tell you that his reaction was definitely one of shock followed by familiarity. And he definitely came over and took food from me, despite not being the most social panda. Um, I don't know that he he recognized me, but I mean, he kind of acted like he recognized me. Uh, And it was really adorable. It was so good to see my buddy again. So basically, though, as soon as panda time was over, I got the heck out of there. I was having an amazing time at the zoo, but so many of the animals weren't on exhibit, and it was so flipping cold that uh, I got in my car, you know, fairly early for me, Um, and I had what was the longest drive of this whole trip, and uh, fortunately, I was able to break it up a little bit. I stopped in Amarillo, which is a 
town that I'd heard of because it's in the song Route 66, which I was driving a whole lot of this trip on the road that used to be the old Route 66. And there's a song about it that mainly just says a lot of town names. And I think I've been to all of them now. But uh, so I stopped in Amarillo because a song told me to. And uh, it was fine. Don't know that it was worth singing about. Definitely didn't get to meet any red pandas, but uh, it was cool to hang out and see another another place I hadn't been before. And then I hopped back in the car after getting some, yeah, Indian food, and drove to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Y'all, Albuquerque is something else. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing that I've gotten used to in this whole life where I tour and go to places big and small is that when you get to like known cities, they're all kind of the same. Like, yes, every place has its local flavor. And I'm sure that every one of you who lives in a city right now is like, well, no, cause my thing has this thing. And yeah, but they, they all have a thing, but they also have a bunch of really tall buildings and all of the houses in the suburbs look kind of the same, no matter where you are. And it's, it's, it's just a thing. Like, a big city is a big city. Albuquerque is not a big city. I don't know if I just thought it was more big city-ish because I know it from Breaking Bad and Route 66 again, that song, and like, I don't know, it's just, it's a thing. But um, I guess the best way that I could describe Albuquerque is that if you asked someone with a limited knowledge of like what New Mexico is like in their own head to draw Albuquerque, it would look exactly like Albuquerque. A ton of small squat buildings in like Southeastern style, a ton of um, Native American influence. Uh, It just, it's really hard to explain. But as I was driving through the city, all I could think was, holy crap, this is This is like a parody of what like SNL would set up to make people who are watching think, oh, this skit happens in Albuquerque. But I was actually in Albuquerque. So I got to knock another facility off of the list of of places I hadn't been, and that is the ABQ Biopark. And uh, it was great to be there. I I was a little disappointed. There were three species that I was excited to see that were not on exhibit. There was a type of wombat and also Tasmanian devils and also tree kangaroos. They all live in the Australia section and it's closed because they're remodeling it right now. And I totally get that and I love it. And like, yay, making things better for animals. Oh, but it killed me. But they did have an absolutely stunning binturong on exhibit and it made me really happy. It was also really, really cool to see the elephant herd because they've had the two losses that we talked about recently on Zoo News and... um it was just nice to to see elephants and yeah, you could tell they're being well taken care of and they have a lot of space to roam and, and, you know, obviously husbandry has nothing to do with that disease, but it, it did feel nice to like see those other elephants and be like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a good place. Um, another place with an indoor penguin exhibit. So I had another really stinky mask right over my nose and, uh, yeah, you know, just good things to, to learn. Um, and then, I did a thing. Now, this isn't a very animal thing, but I am a huge fan of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and both series film to slash film in and around Albuquerque. And so I hopped online 
and I found a bunch of addresses of a bunch of the things that, that happened in that show, and I went to them. I got my car washed at the car wash. If you've seen Breaking Bad, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you think I'm a crazy person, but that was amazing. I ate at the restaurant that they turn into Los Pollos Hermanos for the show. It's called Twisters, and y'all, they don't actually sell, like, fried chicken. I wanted chicken fingers and fries at Los Pollos Hermanos. Uh, nope, it's a Mexican restaurant, but the food was great, and they had actual props from the show there. So, you know, kind of amazing. The whole thing was kind of amazing. I won't go through all the places that I went, but suffice to say that I spent the entire afternoon going to Breaking Bad locales and having a blast. I also got amazing coffee. Oh my gosh, just just such a great, I just had such a great time in Albuquerque. It was really cool. People were really, really, really awesome. And then um, when I left the city, I, I drove to Phoenix and I drove through the desert, y'all. It was nuts it was it was totally different than anything i'd ever experienced before um i mean i've seen it from tour buses but it's different when you're driving it you know and like you'll drive for like 15 miles and then just out slightly in the distance there's just a house not even really a road just like packed dirt going to it and that happens a lot and i want to know what those people's lives are like and what they're doing out there do they have i mean i saw what looked like electric lights but i didn't see power lines running out there it was it was really interesting to see um you know it's just it's a desert at one point i literally just turned off a dirt road where i didn't see any houses or anything and just drove into the desert mainly because i had a pee and I just got out and peed in the desert. But there was nothing. There were no cars. There was there was nothing. It was me and the desert and the moonlight was the only light. And it was it was spiritual. And I'm not like a spiritual person, but it was so cool. Highly recommend getting lost very briefly in the desert. And as I was driving, I also got to see a wild jackalope. So, you know. That was cool. I, I like animals. But eventually I got back on the main road and headed to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, y'all. <laughs> Day seven, a Monday, going to the Phoenix Zoo. I was really excited. I forgot it's Martin Luther King Day. The zoo was packed. Also, the zoo in Phoenix just so happens to be in a, like, big park area where people go, even if they're not going to the zoo. And, like, why would you not go to the zoo? But, um, yeah, I'm trying to avoid people on this road trip as much as possible. You know, I said I was going to say something about this before, and, and I will. I, um... I don't know, man. The whole COVID thing's kind of crazy. And I'm so happy and grateful to be performing because that's my job and I need an income and it's also my passion and uh, it's good to have that. But I'm also like, none of this should be happening. I shouldn't be doing any of this. People shouldn't be flying to to come play a show, you know? And, and I was. I was very careful as I drove. I did... Um, 
mostly DoorDash delivery type stuff or would go through drive throughs I, you know, pumped my own gas. I did the um, easy pass lanes and, and basically tried to avoid human contact. I have a lot of thoughts about whether or not we should be doing this, but, um, you know, I'm trying to do it as safely as possible. The Phoenix Zoo was just packed. It really was. Um, I had an amazing time. I am by no means saying anything against the Phoenix Zoo. Uh, you know, they they have their precautions and they're doing what they need to do to stay afloat. I just forgot it was a, a holiday and it was like in the 70s. So it was beautiful. But in order to play it safe, and I admit also with the knowledge that I will be returning to Phoenix in about a month here for another gig, and I'll be staying there for a while, so I'm going to spend a lot of time at that zoo, I just decided to wander, you know, away from people. So I saw some some cool animals. I saw a couple of really neat things, but um, honestly, I, I can't report much on the zoo because I was mostly avoiding humans. Um, I will say they, they had a really great soft pretzel, so kudos um and it was also betty white day which was cool to see so many people at the zoo when that was like part of the thing support betty by supporting zoos uh and i i also made my donations and i know that a lot of you did too thank you to those of you who reached out and said that you made donations to places that i recommended i appreciate it um i i just thought you know it was it was a nice it was a nice end to the trip, but I, I wish there had been less people as part of it. Um, but hey, that that's okay. You know, people are allowed to be places too. And uh, so then I, I hit the road and I came to La Mirada. Um, on the way there, I, I will tell you, you'll be proud of me. I stopped at a truck stop and the truck stop weirdly was serving just Indian food instead of like normal truck stop food. And if you haven't picked up on this yet, I like Indian food, but I did not want this to turn into a poop story. Poop story. And so I resisted the uh, Indian food at a gas station. <laughs> Aren't you guys proud of me? I thought that was really cool. So uh, yeah, my day ended by by loading my stuff into my hotel room where I will be spending the next 28 days and... Uh, doing shows and going to cool animal places and bringing you more content. And um, yeah, as I loaded in, I ordered some non-gas station Indian food. I am nothing if not consistent. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. All right, so I didn't have anything gross happen to me on this trip. I truly didn't. Um, all of the animals I hung out with were on their best behavior, and frankly, so was I. I mean, unless you consider being in the desert wrong, but if it is, I don't want to be right. But I do have a final kind of travel tip for y'all, and um, it is poop-related. So uh, if you are ever on the road and you want to go to a bathroom that is going to be maybe not a disgusting truck stop bathroom, I have one word for you, friend, hotel. Now, it has to be a hotel that has a main lobby and like, you know, generally the ones that have all of the hotel room doors on the outside do not fit this bill. But most hotels, whether it's a Hilton or a Hilton Garden Inn or a Holiday Inn or a Holiday Inn Express or, you know, 
any of those types of things. They have public restrooms. And here's the crazy thing. Basically, nobody uses them because why the heck would they? When you get to your hotel, you go to your room where you have your own bathroom and you don't have to use a public restroom. So um, they are some of the cleanest things I have ever found in the country. And also, during COVID times, they are some of the most private. You're not really going to run into many, if any, humans. So even when I'm on tour, we'll like pull into a truck stop and everyone will run in to use the bathroom. And the first thing I do when I get off is I look around. And if there is a hotel nearby, I saunter on over there and uh, poop in peace. So uh, that's something to keep in mind the next time that you are on the road. And uh, yeah, that is your poop story. Poop story. So there it is, friends. An entire week on the road going to cool facilities and sharing all of that random stuff with you. I hope you all enjoyed this one. Um, I've, I've wanted to do more of this kind of narrative podcast form from time to time, but uh, this was the first time it felt really appropriate. So uh, thanks. Thanks for, for hanging with me on this one. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please let me know if you did. Uh, I'll, I, I'm considering doing more stuff like this in the future only for big things, but like... I don't know if y'all figured this out, but um, I'm, I'm in California right now and I don't live here. So at some point, this road trip has to happen in reverse. And I'm looking at a different route to go to a bunch of different cool facilities. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But you know me, always thinking always thinking. But uh, yeah, thanks for hanging with me. I super appreciate it. And I also super appreciate Laura Shank, my Red Panda level patron. So um, thanks for being awesome, Laura. And remember that you can support the pod by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari. All right, friends. Remember the phrase road trip credits backwards is Steiderk Pert Dower. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.